I want to invite you to take a Bible, please, and open to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're new to the Bible or not too familiar with it, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, about three quarters of the way through the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to uh, use the one that's there in the rack in front of you. And if you don't have one of your own, you're welcome to take that, write your name in it, make it yours. It's our gift. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus is teaching us about prayer. And he's teaching us through these words that we have come to know as the Lord's Prayer. And his point here is not that we need to recite these specific words every time that we pray. His point is that we should adopt this as a pattern, a a template, a model for the attitudes that we should have and for the priorities that we should pursue uh, when we pray. And today we're going to focus on verses 11 through 13 and three requests that Jesus talks about in particular. But let's go ahead and look at the whole thing beginning at verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus says, pray then like this. And why don't you all say this with me? Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for everything. Thank you for the privilege to be here at this place at this time to be able to hear your word to us. And we pray that you would, by your spirit, just give us an appetite for your truth, that we might love it, that we might embrace it, we might believe it, and give you praise. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus tells us that when we pray, we begin by approaching God as our Father in heaven, And to pray that his name would be hallowed, that it would be regarded as holy, as unique, one of a kind. And then pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done here on earth. And then Jesus says we should ask our Father in heaven to provide things that we need. And he highlights three things in particular that we need. Food forgiveness, and protection from evil. And Jesus assumes we are going to need those things. We're going to need food. We're going to need forgiveness. We're going to need protection from evil. And if we're in our right minds, if we're sane and thinking rationally, we agree with him that we need those things. Consider just the first thing that he tells us to ask for. Bread. Why do we need to pray for bread? You've probably got bread in your house. Even if it's gluten-free, 
You've got bread. I've got bread in my home. Why do we need to pray for bread? Well, here's three quick lessons that we can learn from bread. First is, bread is basic. Bread is basic. It's about as basic as you get. Most cultures have some kind of bread item as sort of the, their most basic food. It's a staple. It's not a luxury. You don't go to a fancy restaurant so you can get bread. You know, it's just, it's basic. It's food 101. And bread here represents the necessities of life. And we're supposed to ask God for it. And here's why that's so significant. What that means is you and I cannot meet even our most basic needs by ourselves on our own. We are not self-sufficient. We were created to need things outside of ourselves. We need things like food, water, air, lots of stuff. You know, one of the biggest delusions that can afflict people is the delusion of self-sufficiency. This delusion that we don't need anybody. We don't need anything outside of ourselves. We certainly don't need God. A lot of people probably wouldn't say it that way, but a lot of people live like they believe it. For example, you might think, you know, I, I, I can provide my own food. I'm just going to drop off the grid here. I'm going to become self-sufficient, and I'm, I'm going to provide my own food. So you're going to get some seeds, and you're going to put them in some dirt. You're going to grow all your own food. You're going to be self-sufficient. All right, well, stop and think about it. Where do you get the seeds? Where do you get the dirt? You didn't make the seeds. You didn't make the dirt. How are you going to cause it to grow? Sunshine? That's God's sun. Rain? That's God's rain. Air? It's God's air. Acts 17.25, look at it. God himself gives. God himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Life and breath and everything. How much could you do without life? How much could you do without breath? You know, if God stopped providing, you and I would stop breathing just like that. And we would not only be unable to do, provide for ourselves, we'd be unable to live, do anything. Now, it's true, we do things to provide for ourselves. And that's how God set it up. He created us to need things, and he created us to do things to provide for ourselves. Um, just like he feeds the birds. God feeds the birds, but he doesn't throw the food into the nests. And he created us to work. And scripture makes it very clear that if we can work, we should work. That's how we provide for ourselves. But here's the deal. Everything that you and I do to provide for ourselves, everything always depends first on God providing something for us. God provides life. God provides breath. God provides the resources that we then utilize to provide for ourselves. We always need God, whether we realize it, whether we admit it or not. We need God. We can't meet even our most basic needs by ourselves. 
So that's one lesson from bread. Another lesson is that bread is a gift. Bread is a gift. Since Jesus said to ask for it, it must be something God wants us, wants to give to us. And that's, that's good to know, because that means we don't have to wonder. And Jesus is at such pains in the Sermon on the Mount to, to tell us who God really is and what his attitude toward us really is. And Jesus describes him as his father, this good father. And good fathers care about their kids' needs and want to meet their kids' needs. That's one of the ways you know whether a dad's a good dad or not. Does he care about his kids' needs? So we don't have to wonder. You know, we might think, ah, yeah, I've got this need. Should I, should I pray about it? You know, I don't want to bother God. He's probably got a lot of more important things to do than meet my needs. But Jesus told us to ask. So it must be God's will to meet our needs. Look at Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son. Wow. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All things that we need. Ask. Ask. Bread's a gift. And then third, bread is daily. Bread is daily. Now, this is maybe more of a stretch for us because... In Jesus' day, and still today in some cultures, uh, there's only enough bread for one day at a time. You know, it's a daily thing. But you know, even in our culture where we buy bread maybe for a week at a time or even two weeks or, I don't know, some of you guys really uh, stuff it in your freezer, we still have to eat every day. Eating is daily, and that's by design. That is by design. And what that's showing us is that we need God every day. We need God every day. Every time we eat, we are declaring our dependence on God. Every time we eat. We need something outside of ourselves to survive. We need God's provision. Okay, so those things are true of bread, and you can also apply them to the other things Jesus tells us to ask for. Forgiveness, he says, pray, forgive us our debts. He's referring to our sins. Why do we need to pray for forgiveness? Because we need it every day. I do. Every day. How about lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? We need protection from evil every day. This world is full of evil. There are spiritual powers, Scripture tells us. You can't see it. You can't see them, but they're at work. And we not only need protection from the evil outside, we need protection from the evil inside. We need that every day. So these three requests, these are all about regularly, habitually asking our Father to provide what we need. And I don't think it's necessarily meant to be an exhaustive list, but it focuses on the things we need. We need from God. We need these provided all the time. Now, does this mean that if we don't pray, if we neglect to pray for our daily bread, let's say, that we won't get it? It'll not be provided. Well, okay, we, we know that's not necessarily the case because we have forgotten to pray and God still feeds us. 
Or what about forgiveness? Or what about protection? If we don't pray, will we not get these things? Well, not necessarily. Now, God has ordained that he will respond to our prayers. And I've talked about this before. I don't know why, but God set it up that way. God moves in response to our praying. But he does not limit himself to our prayers. He's good. You know, sometimes I pray something, and then later on I realize why God didn't answer that prayer. Yes, and I'm glad he didn't, because he knew better. Or God is gracious to provide even when I forget to pray at times. So prayer does not always change our situation necessarily, but it does always change us. If we don't pray, if we don't ask God to provide, we're going to be out of sync with our Father in heaven. Praying daily for God to provide for us is a way God changes us to change our attitudes, to change our hearts, to remind us that we are dependent on him. And that is a very good thing. And I want to show you why. Okay, beyond God providing and meeting those needs, it is a very good thing for us to pray daily for God's provision. And I want to show you why. First reason, it's good to pray daily for God's provision because it gives us perspective and this is really important. Praying for our daily bread, praying for forgiveness, praying for protection from evil, that helps us remember who is God and who isn't God. And that is so important. When I pray for God to provide for my needs, I am acknowledging that God is the giver and I am the receiver, and that's always true. Even when I give, I give because God has first given to me. God is always the giver, I'm always the receiver. When I pray this way, it reminds me, God is sufficient, and I am needy. It reminds me that that. God is a good father who wants to meet my needs, and I am the dependent child who needs to come to him and ask for his help. And I need that perspective to live well. I need that perspective to live healthy, in healthy relationship with other people. Um, What we're talking about here is an appropriate humility More and more I'm convinced that you just don't get anywhere in life, you don't get anywhere with God without humility. We need humility. Look at Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Wouldn't it be a great world if everybody grasped that? Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. I love that. Sober judgment. You know what that means? That means thinking the truth about ourselves. Thinking about ourselves in a way that's real and actual. Because we're so prone to either think way too highly of ourselves or even way too lowly of ourselves. But to think the truth that's real. And mainly, that means remembering that we're not God. And you know something? It's really good for everybody when we remember that. It's good 
for me, it's good for those around me, it's good for the world when I remember I'm not God. Because if I don't remember who God really is, and if I don't remember who I really am, I'm going to do really stupid things. For one thing, I'm going to look elsewhere to get my needs met instead of looking to God. I'm going to try to play God. I'm going to try to control things that I have no control over. I'm going to try to control people, and I never should do that. It, it, it reminds me of trying to play a video game with a controller that doesn't work. Now, I'm sure there are some of you that have never played a video game, but many of you have. Uh, when our sons were younger, <laughs> we used to play this game at our house called uh, Super Smash Brothers. And, and this is a game you can play with four people at a time, and that worked out well. Myself, three sons, mom didn't care. <laughs> Each player's got his own controller, and uh, you're trying to make your guy on the screen basically beat up the other three guys and win. It's very American. It's, it's great. And I, as far as I can recall... I pretty much always lost. And um, I had two big problems every time I played this game. The first problem was I could never remember which button did what. <laughs> and on this controller, there are like 300 different buttons. <laughs> and I could never remember which one did what. Meanwhile, my sons apparently were born with a special chip in their brain that just automatically know what to do. They'd be doing something. I'd say, wait, 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 wait. How did you do that? How did you know how to do that? I don't know, Dad. I said, well, what did you do? He says, well, I think it's over, over, down, B, over, A. <laughs> what? <laughs> so that, that was one problem. But my other problem was worse. This is worse. The other problem was, I would sometimes lose perspective on which guy was mine. <laughs> There's four guys on there, and I would start looking at the wrong guy. And I'm, and I'm trying to make him move left, and he goes right. And I try to make him jump, and he swings his sword. And I'm getting so frustrated because I think the problem is that I'm pushing the wrong button. And that's not the problem. The problem is I'm looking at the wrong guy. I'm trying to control something I have absolutely no control over. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever think the problem is you just can't figure out which button to push to make life work? If I, could just, if I could just find the right button, if I could just push the right button, and maybe the problem isn't that you can't find the right button. Maybe the problem is you're trying to control something you have no control over. And what you need is not a button. What you need is perspective. You need to realize who's God and who isn't. That's why the Lord's Prayer starts with God. Did you notice that as we've been going through this, or as we looked at it today? It starts with God. 
That's because knowing Him is our biggest need. Always. Always. That is the most important reason why we pray. Always. Before we ask Him for anything else, before we start in with the daily bread and the forgiveness and the protection from evil, before any of that, we need to pray for a clear vision of who God really is. We need to know Him as our Father in heaven. We need to value His name, His holy name. So that we can worship Him and we can honor Him and we can trust Him. We can value Him above everything else in our lives. Everything else. We need to know Him as King in our lives. If we're going to pray that His kingdom come, He must be the King. We need to pray that His will will be done in our lives, in our world. We need, we need a God-centered perspective to get everything else right. We get everything wrong if God's not at the center. If we're going to live life the way God intends, it's got to start with God. God's at the center. And see, by praying daily for all the things we need God to provide, that helps us gain that perspective and keep that perspective. And our problem is, that we don't always feel our dependence. We are always dependent, but we don't always feel it, especially because most of us have so much. You know, bread, daily bread, that does not seem like a big deal. We live literally surrounded by supermarkets and, and uh, convenience stores and restaurants, and we got freezers and we got refrigerators. We've got cans of food in our cupboards. The hard thing is not getting bread, it's choosing bread. Have you looked at the bread aisle lately? It's overwhelming. And we've got to choose, you know, white, whole wheat, buttermilk, potato, rye, sourdough, Dave's killer, pumpernickel. So bread doesn't seem like a big deal. We don't feel it. But the truth is, if the rain stopped falling and the farm stopped producing and the trucks stopped running, our supermarket shelves would empty out very quickly. In fact, I remember one time my in-laws were traveling south on I-5 through the Mount Shasta area, and they had to stop because there was a, a, like a landslide up ahead. So all the traffic got diverted into this little tiny town, and then it turned out that a landslide happened right behind them, so they couldn't go either way. So everybody's stuck in this little town. There's one supermarket, and they told us that within, I don't know, like a day, there was nothing left in the store. Just cleared out. And that's happened in places even in our country when there's been a hurricane or some kind of natural disaster that interrupts the normal flow. This idea that we could never run out of food is an illusion. It is an illusion. We are dependent on God all the time for all of our needs. And by asking Him daily, regularly, to provide for our needs, it helps us keep that perspective. When I honor God as my provider, when I trust Him to be in charge of all my needs, 
that helps keep me from playing God. And that's a really, really good thing for everybody. Gives us perspective. Then the second thing, second reason why it's good to pray daily for God's provision is it keeps us connected. Not only gives us perspective, but it keeps us connected. Now, a few weeks ago, I raised the question, if God already knows what we need, why do we have to ask for it? Why does he want us to ask for it? Well, we don't ask him to remind him that we need to eat. You know, hey, dear God, please don't forget, I need to eat today. We don't pray for that reason. In fact, Jesus tells us specifically not to pray like that. Uh, Right before he gives us the Lord's Prayer, he says this, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Okay, so why do we have to ask if he already knows? Because prayer is not informing God. We've got to just grasp that fundamental truth. Prayer is not about, hey, God doesn't know, I know, I'm going to tell God. It's not informing God. Prayer is depending on God. Depending on God. It's an act of relationship, and that's what God wants. That's what he's after. If you don't know this, I'm so happy to tell you, Christianity is not a rule, and it's not a ritual. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. And prayer is one of the main ways we we live out that relationship. We experience that relationship as we come to him and we ask him for everything that we need. And he wants us to. And because we're dependent on God for everything, we got to keep asking. And that keeps us connected. It keeps us connected. The truth is, if we didn't have any spiritual uh, material needs, we probably wouldn't realize our spiritual needs. In fact, the more needy you feel, the more likely you are to pray. I've sure been noticing that lately. I've felt really needy lately. So I pray a lot. But when you don't feel very needy, you don't pray very much. And you can see this back in the Old Testament. When God used Moses to bring the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, you know, that whole Ten Commandments or Prince of Egypt thing, the Exodus. Okay, so all these people have ever known is hardship and suffering, and it's just been awful. And, and they know they need God, and they're seeing God do this amazing thing for them, delivering them. They've seen their need. They've experienced God's answer. But soon they're going to enter the promised land, this land flowing with abundance. And before they go in, God, through Moses, gives them a warning. And it's very relevant for affluent American Christians. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, 
When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known to humble you and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. We're all kind of like teenagers, especially you teenagers. <laughs> but there's that phase of life, you know, where we go from like total dependence on our parents to, you know, now we want to be in charge, we're going to call the shot. So that transition time. And the sad thing is at that phase of life, if we didn't need to ask our parents for things, we might never talk to them. <laughs> so the fact that we're needy and dependent keeps us coming. It keeps us connected. And that's true with us and God. We pray daily for God's provision. It helps keep the connection. Now, this fact, this reality of life, that we are dependent on God and He wants us to pray for His provision regularly, every day, we can respond to that reality, to that truth, in one of three ways. First, we can deny it. We can live in denial, pretend we don't really need God. And unfortunately, this is where a lot of people are at, practically speaking. Now, they might say they believe in God. Sure, I believe in God. I know He's there. But you know, they live like He's not there. There's no connection. There's no sense of dependence. There's no relying on Him. They live as if God's irrelevant or unnecessary. They deny their need for God. Do you do that? Second response would be to dislike it, dislike our dependence on God. We can resent it. We can get mad about it, get insulted, offended. Well, that's insulting. How dare you, how dare you suggest I need God's provision or God's forgiveness, God's protection? I'm a nice person. I work hard for everything I have. Nobody gives me anything. Boy, God must have some kind of big ego to want me to come and ask him for everything. Forget that. I'm independent. And yet with every breath you breathe and every bite you eat, your body contradicts you. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Deny it, dislike it, or... We can delight in it. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's what we were made for. That's what we were made for, to delight in God, delight in his provision, delight in his goodness as the all-sufficient giver, delight in our, our relationship to him as, our, as his children. God made us this way for our good. 
Do you realize God is the only person in the universe for whom self-centeredness is a virtue? Self-centeredness for God is a virtue. Now, if I came to you and said, hey, you need me. In fact, you need to put me at the center of your life. You need to build your life around me to be happy. You'd say, what? What an arrogant idiot. And you'd be right. It's not how it is with God. Because God really is the greatest. God really is the most important thing for you to build your life around. God is good always. And your life doesn't work unless God's at the very center. And you build your life around him. You realize if God is going to make us happy, he must tell us to put him at the center of our lives? Think about that. kind of blows your mind. If God did not tell us to depend on him, he would not love us. He would not be good. So don't deny your dependence. Don't dislike it. Delight in it. Enjoy it. It's the way God made you. Now as we finish up, and this is the last time uh, in our series that I'm planning to focus on the Lord's Prayer, I, I do want to make one thing very clear. And that is, this prayer is not for everyone. For some of you, it could be that today your greatest need is not, is not for you to pray for daily bread. Your greatest need is to meet the bread of life. If you have never crossed the line of faith, I don't mean cross the threshold into a church or Sunday school, or a class, or a Bible study, if you personally have never crossed the line of faith and put your personal trust in Jesus Christ to meet your greatest need, to know Him, that is your greatest need. Far more important than having God meet your daily needs is for God to meet your deepest need, which is your need to know him. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Our deepest need is enter, enter into a relationship with Jesus. To say, God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I I'm disconnected from you. I don't know you. I need your leadership. I need your mercy. And I'm going to believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Today I want him. I want to know him, and I want to experience the eternal life he died to give me. And the Bible says that when you do that, when you cross that line of faith, that God welcomes you into his family forever, and you become his child forever. 1 John 5.11, God gave us eternal life. Look at that. God gave, gift. Being right with God is a gift. It's a gift. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's all about whether you have the Son or not. If you have the Son, life. You don't have the Son, no life. 
And when you have the Son, then you can begin to pray this prayer sincerely. Our Father in heaven. Because until you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you can't honestly call God your Father. But He wants to know you that way. So if you've never done that, if you never crossed the line, you could do it today. Just ask Him. Jesus died to give you life. Just ask Him for it. You don't have to pray it out loud. He knows your heart. Just ask Him. Admit you need Him. That's where it all starts. Ask Him to give you eternal life. And if you'd like, if you know, you're thinking, well, okay, that sounds interesting, but I, I've got some questions or I need to talk about that. I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. Come up and see me afterwards or just jot a note on your Connect card. We're going to turn those in in a few minutes. And then all of us, really the big point of these three requests that we've been looking at is that we learn the lesson of conscious dependence on God. We're always dependent on God, but we're not always conscious of it. And to live life the way Jesus wants us to live it, we've got to become conscious of our dependence. And so we come to him regularly, asking for daily bread, forgiveness, protection from evil. Let's bow together. We'll pray. I'll give you a quiet moment to talk to the Lord about whatever you want to talk to him about, and then I'll close here in just a second. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how good you are, how great you are, how awesome you are, how glorious you are. Father, how we need to have that perspective that you are the good giver and we are the dependent children who need to come to you and ask. And you delight in our doing that and that is what we want to delight in too. Help us keep that perspective. Help us be connected to you, Lord. I pray if there's anybody here who hasn't yet crossed that line of faith, that today might be the day for them, that they will say yes to Jesus. They will invite you to just give them eternal life, to make, you, make them part of your family forever. Help them understand. Help them ask. And God, will you help all of us just learn to delight in being dependent on you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.